all, and welcome back to another episode of TV and Us, a conversation show about the TV series we just can't stop talking about. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And each season, we focus on a different show, reviewing it episode by episode, and we invite you to watch along with us. Right now, we are reviewing True Detective with Patrick and Nate, and today we are on episode six, titled Haunted Houses. If you haven't watched it yet, this is your spoiler alert. Please check it out before continuing to listen. Okay, Sarah, kick us off with an IMD summary for episode six. Cole's activities in 2002, when his partnership with Hart disintegrated and he quit the force, are recalled by Maggie. All right. So let's start off with sharing our episode titles of choice. Sarah, go ahead and share yours first. Oh, uh, mine is Without Me, There Is No You. Nate? Mine is uh, It Was a Down Payment. And Pat? Mine is The Price is Right. And mine is I Ain't His Pal. All right. Let's dive into talking about episode six. What were y'all's thoughts? This was a juicy episode. A lot happens. I think we have to start with Sarah, not because of the usual reasons. But no, 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 not the usual reasons, but because one of your favorite characters has a lot has a lot happening in this episode. Let's start there. Yeah, my girl makes some choices in this episode. Uh, no, I just I I feel like this is the inevitable response to everything that's happened over the last five episodes. So it's just all of these things, all of these seeds that have been planted over these episodes are finally like okay, now we're ticking the boxes of all of the things that the show has has teased out. And stuff happens. And choices are made. Confrontations happen. Uh, lots of drama. You know. How do you feel about those choices and that drama? It, it was coming like it was that's how I felt while watching it it was I I felt like we were going through a checklist and I was like yep that was gonna happen that needed to happen that needed like okay my goodness she said ticking boxes and I was like oh interesting word choices here yes (laughs) I mean couldn't you say that of any show that plants seeds and comes back around yes this is not like this isn't even like a knock on it, but it was just very much like, oh yeah, that needed to happen. There we go. Now we got that closure. Like it just All right. we're just moving through some things. Crossing things off right. the list. So Sarah. <laughs> Set up yo, I understand how your intellectual brain received this episode. How did your heart receive this episode? Take it or leave it. I I don't know that my heart received this episode. It was just, <laughs> we we did the thing, you know? We've moved through time. We've progressed in relationships. We did it. Cold as ice. Yes. Unfortunately. That would have been amazing if this was the episode that, like, turned it all around for whatever <laughs> <Yeah>. reason. <laughs> Maggie's Revenge. There was a lot of Maggie. Yeah, there's a lot of Maggie. There was a lot of Maggie. And so that was lovely to see. But again, it was like, okay, yeah, we're doing all of the things that were going to happen. 
something that I just thought was just uh, great about Maggie this episode and not the things that not the things that we think that she does, but um, she is able to articulate so clearly about Marty and about Rust in her interview, which yeah. I just found so illuminating how clearly she can see these two men. There is, she says, Marty's single biggest problem was that he never really knew himself, which I think goes back to a lot of the like self-delusion that we've seen from him time and time again. Mm-hmm. And then she says about Rust, Rust an intense man, but he had integrity. He was responsible. And I just feel like she can see so clearly about these two men who cannot see clearly about themselves at all. And so that was just so fascinating to me. Just she comes in with these zingers and I think it's it's part of the strength of that character is that she is so uh, she has such clarity about the people that are in her orbit. I love the uh, Russ knew exactly who he was, and there was no talking out of talking him out of the <laughs> line. <laughs> yes, yeah. How about the uh, opening where we see Marty once again abuse his authority? Yeah, that kind of. Because that's the start of the episode. I remember the first time watching it being like, this isn't what I thought was going to happen. I assumed if this was going to happen, it would have happened in the last episode. Exactly. I, I, I knew this scene happened, and then it didn't happen in the last episode. And I was like, did I miss it? <laughs> it is such an interesting choice to hold it for this episode because it kind of bookends and frames the, the way this episode starts and the way this episode ends around him taking out his rage on other men that yeah. have wronged him and hurt his delicate little ego, you know? So I feel yeah. like that framing was really fascinating because uh, it, it it was surprising as far as like a succession of, of events to hold it for this one. I also kind of chuckle when Marty first walks in and one of the guys is like we didn't realize her dad was a cop like does that fucking matter like does that make it any (laughs) better or worse like what rationale are you going for here and uh and then when he's like i I just thought the dialogue the exchanges were interesting until the violence started because i also like he's like you seem a little mad right now tell me how to feel you tell me how i feel right now like um and uh, that's where my episode title came from, The Price is Right, because he says, you play a grown man's game, you play a grown man's price, or pay a grown man's price, or something to that effect. Oh, that's right, that's right. I forgot about that line. Which fits for the ending yeah. scene as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you to explain your episode title, because it went right over my head. <laughs> I feel like we are seeing the more saturated versions of both Rust and Marty in this episode. Like everything that we've seen at the beginning um, is just the volume has been turned up for both of them, you know? And uh, we did this. It's interesting because last episode we were talking about, or maybe the previous one, around this this false feeling of progress that both of them seem to have. And then when we kind of boomerang back, they're in a worse state for both of them, more extreme versions of themselves than they were when we even met them at the beginning. So I'm like, where, where are we going from here? Because we've seen them both deviate so far down their respective paths. Mm-hmm. Is the show's 
thesis going to be that there's there's a Ben Boomerang back for them or is the show going straight like everything freaking sucks and human nature sucks and you know like <laughs> where we where, I think that the way that those trajectories will either come back in this loop or maybe continue down this path will be like really interesting to see yeah it's this was I don't know to me this is, this episode is more interesting than I feel like I maybe gave it credit for in previous watches because there's like some big moments that happen but then there is from a character standpoint there are like some interesting things to kind of observe about them like rust kind of amused me in this episode because to kind of to your point of saturation jen like every time i see him i'm just like this man loathes the human existence mm-hmm. however he will mercilessly fight for justice on behalf of children and women who have been wronged. Yeah. But why, given, you know, what anchors his view on his existential experience? I think it's just, like, his whole, like, self-worth or, like, tethering to reality is just, like, tied up in his profession and his ability to, like, do his job well. Like, I think that's, like, his entire thing and he you know he immediately falls apart when he gets suspended you know like he's drunk at home with a flashlight <laughs> just like shining antler shadows on his wall just like completely <laughs> just like like day one has falls apart <laughs> the major suggests to him towards the end of the episode that he should go on a fishing trip and i was like can you imagine rust calmly sitting fishing like this man is so restless you know and like you you see his like uh you know just like not giving anything away but you just see his like physical difference between like uh, 2002 and 2012 like so much like when he doesn't have that job where it's just like he's just been like rotting inside (laughs) um so I think that that's like a lot of it there. I was thinking about how his like sense of existentialism, I think actually fuels him to be willing to go to places and challenge the system in ways that like Marty just will never be able to. There's like an audacity and a boldness that he has inherently because nothing matters to him. You know what I mean? So he can keep poking the system and completely disobeying orders because like homeboy just doesn't care. Like he will keep going and it's kind of his worst trait but it also fuels this tenacity that will go up against like a system that's looking to like shut him up which is kind of just like an interesting double-edged sword for him i feel like those scenes kind of bring the show back to the first episode a little bit in that we talked about like marty really knows how to play the game and Rust is just such an outsider. And like, to your point, Jen, he's like, this system sucks and it's not working. So I'm going to try and go around it. Meanwhile, Marty's in the first uh, scene in the major's room. He's sitting with his arm out on the couch, just chilling. First time hearing about it, like whole thing, yeah. just not being like, you know, Rust, like, let's talk about this. Let's figure it out. Like what, what else is going on? He's just sitting there smiling like yeah. a good old boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there were previous moments um, in, I think, like, episode two or three in his conversations with Maggie where he clearly, uh, Marty really 
is willing to give it over to the task force. Like he really doesn't care. He's not that invested in it. Um, Cause he keeps telling Maggie, like, we're going to give it over the task force soon. I'm going to have more time to be around. So like, he's not invested, you know, at all. The, uh, the middle finger exchange is always a favorite moment. That was a popular like gif on the internet for a long time, specifically Russ standing that. at the door. This episode has a great mic drop moment at the end. Uh, hearkening back to the first episodes around uh, one, Marty loading his pistol or checking to make sure his pistol's loaded. But then two, Russ saying, actually, why don't you buy me a beer? And it just is, there's like so much suggestion of this dynamic between them that I, I have so many questions about because I think Russ initially proposes the idea of him buying marty a beer but then he kind of flips it and you're like there's so so much went down and marty is kind of like not surprised by it at all so i just have so many questions and that was such a fun little like i thought i knew this then he says something and i thought i now i don't know and now marty's checking his pistol like so much loaded behind there as russ like chases him down the byway or whatever you hear the faint honks in the scene before and then they show yeah the whole episodic ending of them and yeah i i appreciate how they did that and with that said i don't even want to ask this question because my heart already hurts but sarah would you be willing to walk away now of course <laughs> you don't answer for her <laughs> nate already knows I'm not answering so. for her. this is just simple pattern recognition <laughs> yeah yeah, I I could walk away from it still. I now I'm in the sunk cost fallacy situation. <laughs> I've already had six hours invested in this show, so we're just we're gonna do two more because we've made it this far. We're gonna mm-hmm. finish it, but I could I could walk away. I'm sorry to hurt your heart, Patrick. It's all right. Like I said, somewhere in the world, there's a little girl falling off of a slide. I do not push children off of the slide. (laughs) I don't even remember what that analogy was, but it was like, it made no sense day of. (laughs) Yeah, and Marty doesn't know when to walk away from a situation before it's going to escalate beyond any like ability for him to maintain control. Talking about Beth? Beth? Oh yeah. As soon as she came into like the Applebee's or the sports bar, he should have been like, money on the counter, I'm taking my tampons and my cell phone, and I'm out of here. Yeah. The minute she's on screen, I'm like, oh no. So predictable. I know. Did you recognize who she was when you first saw her? Yes, because in the recap, did you, did you all skip the recaps? Oh, they show a short scene, so the little game I play with myself is, oh, interesting you're bringing this little clip back. I wonder mm. how that's going to impact. Did y'all recognize her? Not yes. the first time, but I think I was watching it more in a binge-like way, so I was skipping recaps. So when I first saw her, no. But I did see part of the recap before I skipped it watching this episode, and I remember saying, like, damn it, don't do that. Right? Yeah. This is like why people shouldn't watch trailers before movies too. I couldn't. Uh, I can't remember if I if I recognized her or if the recap like gave that away for me when I first saw it. 
Um, yeah, no, I recognized her and I went, wait a second. <laughs> she was from an earlier episode, but I second guessed myself and I was like, well, maybe she's just some other chick. I'm going to have to like look that up on IMDb later. And nope, I, I was right. Nice. So that was a satisfying little win. Like, okay, I've been, I'm paying attention. I'm not just looking for owls. I am paying attention to this show. <laughs> Speaking of your ticked boxes, I love that even though we already know because we've seen it, you can always tell at home in the household when Marty's up to no good because the way he talks and like his body language also just totally changes. Like he's in the shower. Hun, we should have a date night. Yeah. Like, we're over, and it's just like, oh, dude, you are digging and digging. You don't know you're digging. You think you're clever. You know, calling back to other comments made. But, man, you, ugh. I've never been more repulsed seeing him eat his spaghetti dinner. <laughs> I think they really turn up the mic on his chewing. Oh, you got some good ASMR that. action out of that? Oh. Uh, I feel like I was thinking about... Um, when you asked us on one of the previous episodes, Pat, around like, what did you think about Rust being at um, Marty's home when he wasn't there? Yeah, they seem they seem Maggie and Rust seem to have some weird, you know, little connection. But now I'm like, oh no, this is that seed has fully grown into a crop, and they're yeah they're <laughs> harvesting that for sure. I just feel like. Everything that we know about Rust being so uh, adamant and and his integrity and this desire for justice, just you see him, like all of that settle in after that moment and the immediate guilt that sets in. And I'm just like, oh, for this character. I remember, and even now, feeling when the the girl in the hospital says, (laughs) you know, for a moment, she's just like not there. And then she says the man with the scars was the worst. Like that still like makes my skin crawl. So my question would be, did you receive that as like a, well, yeah, of course it was. Cause there's a guy who's had scars on his face the whole time. And it would make sense for him to be the worst. I feel nothing for you. Well, I'm not that awful of a human being. I may be a little monster, but I'm not that big of a monster. Like, obviously I feel bad (laughs) for this girl who was tortured and is in this catatonic state. Like, yeah, that's awful. And then she has to relive this trauma. All of us like that's horrible. It's terrible. So, yeah. Nate, what was, what was the thing that you were going to ask earlier? That Pat just talked over. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious if if y'all saw the like the the inciting incident of like their falling out, uh, being that like uh, like Rust and Maggie slept together. If you saw that coming. Yeah, I think I have it written in my notes in episode one, like that those two are going to sleep together. And that was going to be my guess as to at least I didn't know if that was going to be the whole reason why their partnership fell apart. But I thought that it would at least be a contributing factor to it. Uh, So I was just I was kind of waiting for that to happen. I always felt like they had this like weird connection chemistry and all those dinner scenes and um especially that uh uh mowing the lawn scene um the way it's shot just feels like there's there's tension there but Mm -hmm. I was like 
Ah, uh, rust wooden, which is why I think it's like noteworthy that he's in such a bad state and he's clearly so drunk when she comes. Yeah. I think that that makes us that feels fitting for this character that we've already followed and like fallen in love with that for someone who upholds his ideals so much that it's when he's like in such a vulnerable and such a tough spot that that's when he caves. But I was hoping he, I was hoping for him that he would resist for the character. And Marty's response to the news at the table is about as expected. Yeah. He, he justifies his right to be angry and name call. And it's Mm -hmm. a tense moment. It was kind of, it was interesting that Maggie was like anticipating him lunging at her and was like ready. Like there was a, that was a very fluid, like both of them moving in unison. And it was like, mm-hmm. so you've been living with this man that you knew could have the potential to snap this far. Like that's, yeah, that's, that's not great. Yeah. And it's such an echo to the previous um, incident that happened with the guy that the other girl brings home. You know, it's like mirroring. There's a lot of mirroring. When you also see Maggie almost bait Marty into it, the way that she reveals the information. So it's, again, that, like like you said earlier, like she knows him so well. She knows how to trigger this type of response out of him, and she does it so intentionally. And I thought that that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, homegirl is not not the perfect little victim the character that we typically see like she is fighting back in the ways that she knows how with the things that she can do and that's her way of like empowering in this like awful situation with this awful dude that she's been stuck with for so long i like that they gave her depth you know like she's not just yeah there to be a prop and marty's so dumb i mean generally but to he probably does no laundry ever. And then he puts an entire, like, single day's uniform in the washing machine. <laughs> like, come on, man. Aren't you a detective? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> a lot of trace evidence you're leaving behind. <laughs> oh, yeah. Delete the text. <laughs> come on. <laughs> I was curious. I'd be curious to know how he was going to try and explain his way out of the pictures sent to his phone. He started to say something and Maggie cut him off, but like, mm-hmm. I can't open up some crazy, like, where are we really going to go with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, and it made me wonder if, you know, like previously, cause we know that he also had an affair with Lisa earlier. So were these types of questions being asked? Did she find incriminating text messages before did she find clothes in the laundry before you know like had she seen this before but now that she knows he cheated on her before she reacts much more quickly and is no longer willing to give him the benefit of the doubt like maybe she gave him before like she used to justify it away or explain it away or turn a blind eye to like soothe for herself to try and stay and hold on to hope yeah I think another very on-brand moment that also I was like, wow, I forgot about this is when Russ is talking to the mom in the interrogation room and the way he ends that conversation. And it's just like, if you can kill yourself, you probably should. And then starts to walk away and she's just like, wait, what, what? Yeah. 
which made me think back to his response, Charlie Lang. And I think he was asking, like, do you think I was responsible for Dora Lang's death? And Russ was like, yeah, basically. Um, so the intensity of, like, his sense of justice and the way that he has no no room for the, any of these awful humans anymore in his brain is just, like, again, volumes turn it up for him. He's going deeper into his existing value yeah. systems. And I think that comment to that woman uh, is also interesting in light of, I think he says it in the first episode, something to the effect of, I don't have the constitution for suicide. And so I, I think that also brings some interesting color to that comment that he makes to that woman, encouraging her to do something that he himself has clearly thought about a lot, but can't bring himself to do as much as he might want to do that. Mm -hmm. Should we talk about this case that is super wandering at this point? <laughs> 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 like we're learning some things. We're yeah. gathering some details, but it's... Yeah. What do it really is a, you know, backdrop at this point, I think. But I, I am intrigued that they do seem to be laying foundations or pieces of the puzzle. There's still mm -hmm. two episodes left. So I'm like, there's a lot of time to string so many of these details together. And we've seen the show pull things from previous episodes into this one. So I'm like, everything feels significant but also like we're just kind of just uncovering new things and this is russ has gone rogue he's doing whatever he needs to he's investigating the larger systems of corruption it's not even a blessed case anymore he's not even part of the police force at all yeah we'll see if we get some detecting i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> maybe we can solve a case guys this could be very exciting yeah i think the uh, I remember thinking that the expanding scope was like um, very dramatic when I first watched this of like the inclusion of like the pastor who's like the governor's brother and everything um, and this like growing like how high up does this stuff go is like uh, dramatic uh, in a good way for you yeah I mean I was I was very interested in where it was going to go um but yeah, I don't know how, how to talk about it because I know what's going to happen. <laughs> okay, interesting to note. He can't keep going on on this thought train. Pat. It's a hard show to talk about. I also like every episode, I'm like, wait, does this happen this episode? <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that in 2012, Rust is still driving the same truck. With the same busted tail light. That was I the best. That the best bit of uh, of car <laughs> cinematography we've seen so far in this whole series. <laughs> it's like the view of that that tail light and him driving away. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I was thinking about that when there's one of the car scenes. I'm like, man, we've given Sarah so much crap for these owl observations, but. Talk about fixating on little things. Nate's got some qualms they stick with out. the car scenes. They stick out pretty yeah, hard. They are very bad. show that is otherwise very beautiful. <laughs> they still don't jump out at me yet, and I hope they never do. That's good. That's good. 
I don't think there were any this this episode too much. At least the the one with uh, Marty didn't stand out to me. I'm intrigued at how much the detectives in present day seem to know. Like a lot of their questions are pretty leading. They're not really trying to gather information. They're just trying to like trap the them into confessions. It seems like, especially in the interviews with Maggie, mm-hmm. like. They're like, oh, did the falling out have anything to do with rust, maybe? You know, like, they they seem to know. <laughs> uh, well, or they have evidence of something. I mean, to their credit, it, 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 it is very suspicious, right? Like, they something happens and they will not talk about it. Like, no one will talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, yeah, I don't know, maybe something to do with that last case with the munchausen or something et cetera, et cetera. and like there's no satisfying answers and like it's clear that like something's being withheld yeah any other thoughts i wonder how ginger's doing where's ginger in 2012 is he in a ditch <laughs> see out there running around doing ginger things living his best life still whatever happened to ginger now there's the Better Call Saul spinoff that I want to see. I'm just concerned for his beard because that duct tape was on there, you know, like getting that off. Homeboy worked hard for his beard. <laughs> Years of effort. <laughs> All right, let's give out some awards. Best jab. Who wants to start? Nate? Sure, but they've both already been said. I had two alts that I really liked. Uh, so... Nobody without me, there is no you, is the just really icy, just, it's such a mean thing to say. Um, <laughs> and then I, I love the, actually, why don't you buy me a beer line? It's just like, yeah. so delightful. <laughs> it just shows that he's, you know, even 10 years later, Slime. just like doesn't hold any like latent sorrow or like feelings of like like i owe this guy or anything it's just like no actually you buy me a beer (laughs) pat mine was you want me to tie your shoes for you too (laughs) you have to recognize you have insulted this man already by the way you threw this pad of paper at him and then you're just gonna keep building on that like (laughs) yeah He's kind of an arrogant prick in this episode, like a lot of a lot of the time. But he's right, so therefore, <laughs> in so a weird, it's excusable. <laughs> Sarah, it was your choice. Uh, mine is something that Maggie says to the two detectives. I used to exhaust myself navigating crude men who thought they were clever. We must have the same brain. That was my choice yeah. too. Brought me That's so much joy. Line. Yeah. And it works on like, so many a... levels, which is yeah. why it's just great. Just every word. Navigating crude men, you know. They're like, That's a cop's wife right there. And she's like, not anymore. <laughs> just completely unabused. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, best character clue. I'm going reverse order, Sarah. What was your choice? Uh, mine is maggie wearing bright colors every time she's not around marty yeah so in this episode when she comes in for the interview she's wearing that bright green blouse Mm. then in the scenes where she's with marty she's wearing like a like a light 
denim dress and then when she tells him that she slept with Russ, she's wearing like white. But when she goes to the bar, she's wearing bright red. Her encounter with Rust, she's wearing like a pink floral dress. So it's just interesting the use of color when she's not with Marty that we really haven't seen uh, mm. throughout the show. All right, Nate. Um, I kind of tipped my hand earlier, but uh, just the the bit about how much of Rust's like self worth is like uh, so tied to his career and his um just ability to like uh excel at that um and how it kind of just like collapses without it i thought was a a very sort of like front and center in this episode Mm. flashlight and antler shadows Mm -hmm. tells me everything everything you know (laughs) (laughs) that was your choice I mean, we talked about it. It was just generally Marty's uh, activities that led to the end of his marriage. Like, we knew it was coming. We didn't know how. And, yeah, we we saw it all very clearly. As soon as she calls him, like, a good man and a hero and everything, it's just like, he's done done for. Right. (laughs) Yeah, and our, like, yeah. that That whole thing ended with you want some bourbon? Just like, oh dear, yeah. this man is about to get. She knows. She knows which button to push. She knows how to reel him in. Yeah, and it's like such a uh, harken back to a question that he asked Russ, or like in, in an earlier episode, like, do you ever think about being a bad man? And it's just like affirming every fear and insecurity mm-hmm. and sense of self worth that he has about yeah, himself. Exactly. Uh, my character clue choice was uh, Russ's reaction to the woman in the interrogation room, just like a indicative of how far he is in his sense of justice and his system and how he views the world. Just so blatant, like so nonchalant about it too. He's like right up in her face. And yeah. the way he approaches it is so like, the person feels like they're receiving compassion until they just get this dagger that is just extra sharp given the way the conversation led to those moments. Mm-hmm. Because he's already got, it's like right after she's signing and he's got everything that he needs. Flips, yeah. flips on her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Looking ahead. This is always the hard one to talk about for you too. Sarah, anything that you're hoping for? I'm I'm interested to see if the the okay so the pattern that I think these episodes are following is like these like two episodes go together so it's like these pairs of episodes so the first one I'm kind of labeling like exposition second one is primarily 1995 the third pair is 2002 and so I'm interested if this fourth pair is going to be 2012 and we're going to be because now they've left the interrogation room so is this going to be primarily Mm -hmm. 2012 are we going to be doing new things exploring new things like is that where we're going uh just okay let's keep moving forward in time and maybe solve Mm -hmm. a case but i'm not putting too much hope on that 
They're out of the interrogation room. Any anything mm -hmm. can happen now. Very true. Mm -hmm. They have left the room. Marty We're going to get beers. Marty might just shoot Russ in the head immediately. It cuts to black, and then there's just yeah. two hours of, of just <laughs> two hours dead of air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or two hours of static. Of yeah. soothing <laughs> as you come down from this experience. Anything can happen now. True. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Sarah, let's not be hasty. Even though we saw nothing but the end interrogation and confession, we solved the SIDS case. You know what? You're right, Patrick. We did solve the SIDS case. You are correct. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll solve another case. Yeah. All right. We're going for two. Can we Can we go <laughs> two for two is the question. She's going for quantity, not quality now. She's like, <laughs> keep churning out. <laughs> I am intrigued to see this dynamic between these two present-day men now because so far they haven't interacted at all with each other. So I just feel like there's so many things to observe about their dynamic and potentially clues about what went down between I don't remember the years but the where we were in this episode in the past and then um the present 2012 yeah I feel like there was a lot of there was a like quite a bit of time spent in Russ's conversation with um Billy Tuttle and he's made it very clear that he's on to him and it was not subtle about that at all so I just feel like there's a lot more to that storyline and I fear for rest. I fear for rest. He's being reckless. Coming for him. They're coming for him. Like, they, yeah. Like, they know. They know that he knows. So. <laughs> Nate, Pat, any thoughts? It's always hard. You're like dancing on eggshells. <laughs> it's always like what you can and can't say. Well, Nate already said it. Marty's going to shoot rest mm, in the right. bed and we're just going to sit with the dark screen. So, like, it's a meditative mm -hmm. reflection for okay so the the true detecting is the self-reflection that happens for the mm. viewer after watching this really graphic moment of murder mm -hmm. we were the true detectives exactly. all along wow we just we solved the, the true case guys we us. solved the case of this show <laughs> excellent work everyone all right any other last thoughts before we wrap up this was our review and discussion of episode six. You can find it available on Max. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of TV and Us. Our name sums it up. We're big fans of TV and the powerful ways we can connect with each other and the world around us. This podcast is about all of us and our shared stories. So we're so glad you spent time with us as we continue our journey through True Detective Season 1. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune to your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about episode six. You can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at TVNSPod or email us at TVNSPod at gmail.com. We will be back next week for the penultimate episode, episode seven. We hope you have an amazing week and we'll talk again very soon. Bye.